The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 127th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is one 346 9144 or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always... I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, in a few minutes, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of the week is the minute-by-minute build-up here in Boston for the 14th edition of Brady versus Manning. Uh... The region is just lit up in anticipation of this game, and it's a big game. It clearly has home field advantage for the AFC playoffs on the line, most importantly, bye weeks, that type of thing. And I've been very, I will be there and cannot wait. It is going to be cold and windy. We're talking temps between 25 and 30, a sustained. 15 to 20 mile per hour wind. They said it's going to feel like single digits. So I'll be cold, but everybody watching, it will be great theater, I'm sure. Uh, with the wind and the cold at Gillette Stadium. And it just made me think of, uh, uh, of how many of these games I've attended. Uh, I was at those great, great games in the early days of Gillette Stadium back in like 02, 03, 04. 05, when they played twice in the playoffs, both in horrible weather conditions. It was, uh, I nicknamed it Snow on Demand. Uh, one year, one was for a divisional game and one was for the AFC Championship game. And I'll never forget, uh, literally the moment the Colts appeared in the tunnel, at that precise moment in time, it started snowing. Of course, these were the days when Peyton obviously was the Colts quarterback, but additionally, he was playing in the Dome. There was that psychological argument that he couldn't play in cold weather, you know, and take it a little further. Belichick was in his head. And then you also may remember that in those days, it seemed like the Colts would just run through, typically and ironically, the Broncos. 
in the first round of the playoffs, and they would come to New England looking literally unbeatable. And uh, never forget one of those two playoff games started with Rodney Harrison intercepting Peyton in the end zone on the first possession. And it just changed everything right there. Another one was uh, Ty Law had three interceptions. Uh, championship performance, to say the least. Uh, just great stuff. I remember one game, I think it was the AFC title game, when Teddy Bruschi was absolutely... It was the greatest game he ever played as a Patriot. He was just a man beside himself from the opening kickoff right on through. So, again, uh, just cannot wait. Great, great memories. I also was there for, you know, when the uh, when the worm started to turn a bit, when all of a sudden uh, the Colts broke through and did indeed beat the Patriots. I remember a famous, famous Monday night game where Marvin Harrison had a huge night and uh, the Colts broke through and beat the Patriots at home. And it's just, uh, so it's gone back and forth both ways. Ironic now that he is again with the Broncos. Uh, in addition to all this, we have the Wes Welker situation. Obviously, uh, whether or not he'll play with the concussion. He practiced yesterday, so it looks like he probably will play. Uh, bottom line, it feels exactly like a playoff game. It looks like a playoff game. Everything about it is just playoff worthy, uh, to say the least. And uh, so, again, New England is pumped and jacked, as our former coach Pete Carroll likes to say. And I'm guessing the winner of this game between the Broncos and the Patriots might very well be facing Pete Carroll in the Super Bowl. Um, and that leads right into my low light of the week, which was simply the ending of the Patriots-Panthers game. Uh, I don't want to sound like a homer. My problem with how that game ended is very simple. The fact that the ref threw the flag. If the ref doesn't throw the penalty flag, I'm perfectly fine with how that game ended. You know, uh, Patriot fans, I'm sure, would be thinking, like, it sure looked like interference, but, you know, it would have pretty much ended there. But once you throw the flag, uh, it feels like the call needs to be made, or, uh, and by the way, the ref who threw the flag was just right there. I mean, he was just literally five feet away from where Gronkowski was being uh, accosted by Luke Keekley, who I like very much, given all the times I got to see him play here at Boston College. And and then to just have it pulled up so quickly without any explanation to anybody, and I mean anybody, from Belichick to Brady to whomever, uh, it just felt like a very flat ending. Bottom line, what I would have liked to have seen was, you know, they make the call, the Patriots either, either it's holding and the Patriots get the ball at whatever, the 13, they had it at the 18, or it's interference, they get the ball at the 1. But what I... What a perfect game to come down for one last play where both teams could set up, and I realized they had done that in the previous play. <laughs> um, it was obvious it was the last play of the game with three seconds to go. But uh, I think it would have just been poetic justice for the way that game was played. And hats off to the Panthers. They look fabulous. Uh, they, they look like a true NFC contender, especially with that defense. But again, you know, and, and even more so if it would be if it would have been you know at the one yard line, 
again, no clock as it were. And uh, I just think that would have just been a perfect ending. In other words, it's not like the interference call would have given them the Patriots the win, not like you know the obstruction call in the World Series with the Cardinals and the Red Sox where everybody just walked off the field. The game was over. The call would not have done that. The call would have simply given one more play for and what, for what I feel would have been just the absolute perfect ending, uh, no matter what happened. Either way, it just felt like it was just perfect. But again, my problem, very simple. If you're going to make the you know, if you're going to throw the flag, you got to make a call, period. I'm familiar with picking up flags. I know how that works. I've seen it a lot. But in that particular case with the game on the line, I don't think you pick it up, especially since your call is not going to end the game. It's not like a walk-off, as it were. So, uh, but a great game, so much fun to watch. And the other thing that just adds, you, you know, to uh, the overall way the game is changing, if you will, is just, you know, this was a mere 27 hours or so after uh, the Saints 49ers ending with Drew Brees, uh, you know, getting hit in the neck, that call being made and basically deciding the game. And, you know, the 49ers, again, having a, having, having a good argument. Uh, it looked like he hit him, quote, chest high. But his neck snapped, like, in slow motion, like, wow. Uh but it was a huge, hard hit. And uh, it was almost like the penalty was made because he hit him too hard. There, that I was left a bit with that feeling. So these are not the feelings we want at the end of NFL games between the top teams in the league, be it Panthers, Patriots, or 49ers, and Saints. Lastly, my low light of the week is just the whole Jameis Winston incident, which has just completely clouded uh, everything. There are no winners, potentially, most of all, the, the potential victim here. Uh, it is just a very confusing situation, to put it mildly, and we'll see what unfolds. But for now, it is just, again, uh, just a really, really bizarre story that's unfolding, rooted in the fact that this alleged incident occurred 11 months ago. That's what just has this story feeling unlike most of these types of stories, which are always awful. So that was my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say. It's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, Obama Magazine. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Eternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. 
Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests. And on the line is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, John. I'm, I'm down here in Hoover, Alabama. It's a little overcast and a few sprinkles along the way. Maybe maybe might get some rain this weekend. Well, we're having a very rainy, gloomy day, which quite frankly, fits the mood here in Boston and, for that matter, across the United States, given it's the 50th anniversary of the death assassination of JFK. Uh, And, you know, for many of us, a remember-where-you-were moment. And, again, the weather in Boston, which has a lot going on today as far as commemorations, remembrances all over town. JFK was born literally... Uh, not more than 20 minutes from where I'm standing at this moment. So, uh, yeah, heavy duty. And, I, and I'm actually headed from here into Harvard, of course, where JFK went. I'm, I'm attending, you'll enjoy this, I'm attending the Ivy Sports Symposium at Harvard, which is uh, occurring all day today. So I'm catching the last couple sessions of it. And uh, heavy hitters, from the sports world, we'll be speaking on panels, and I'm very excited. I'm literally, the moment the show's over, I'm off to Harvard, who, who's one of many that will again be commemorating uh, John F. Kennedy. So, uh, interesting day up here, to say the least, on many levels. And a so, yeah, the Ivy Sports Symposium. Um, it's the fourth or fifth one they've had at various Ivy League institutions. They've had one at Wharton. They had one at Princeton. Uh, Wharton being down at Penn. And uh, 
So you, and they had one at Columbia. So I'm excited. Get to mix it up with uh, some of the Brainiacs there, as well as, again, just a very impressive list of, you know, front office types from the worlds of college and professional sports, networks, agents, everybody. It's going to be hundreds of people, and uh, I'll be there in the next hour or two. So should be exciting, AP. Sounds like it. Yes, yes. So I thought you'd be interested to know that, given your college expertise. Well, you know, I closed the last segment talking about Jameis Winston. Uh, that situation has obviously gotten cloudier with a lot of inf- a lot has come out in the last few days or since our last show. Before we move on to you know other areas of college football that we like to discuss. Just want to get your thoughts on what's unfolded this week. It is really uh, taking on a life of its own now. Yeah, he's had to backtrack on some of his statements, John, and revise those comments. And and now it's, I guess, it's pretty evident that he was involved, to put it mildly. Yes. And it, it, this leaves, you know, the Heisman voters in a predicament. I mean, are you going to? wait till this all plays out, which that, that timeline is probably going beyond December 9th, which is the, the last day to cast your vote. And so do you, you vote on a hope and a prayer that he's innocent, you know, uh, you know, nothing's been proven as of this date, or do you just say, well, I'm not going to vote for him at all. Or you say, I'm, I'm going to put him in third place. I don't, I can't vote for someone who's, uh, criminal behavior, uh, you know, might might come to fruition down the road. So, if you're a Heisman voter, I don't know what you do. It is really confusing, and as someone who literally voted for the Heisman Trophy one year, uh, I voted for Hugh Green the year that George Rogers won it. I was uh, filling in at a newspaper in Pennsylvania, and uh, the ballot arrived. I was. The only sports guy in the department, <laughs> so I filled it out. It was great. <laughs> I've always been proud of that, that I voted for the Heisman. It is a tough one, AP. I mean, there's so many ways to look at it, but boy, if I had to predict, I would say that most voters, I believe, will not vote for him. I, I, I don't think, uh, uh, assuming if, if it stands where it does today, which is, of course, highly unlikely, events will develop. But as of today, if the vote were today, given no charges have been filed, things like that, all the murkiness surrounding this, um, I would say, knowing the media as I do, I'm guessing they're not going to vote for him because they're just not going to take the chance that if it turns out later that he's found guilty, that they will have voted, and they will now have as part of the Heisman Club, and no, no, no more exclusive club in, in the world of sports than that one, I don't think, someone who potentially is convicted of a crime when the knowledge, when, you know, the information was put forth prior to the vote. So that's where I'm coming down on it. It's impossible to say, but I don't think people are going to risk it. I, I just think the mere possibility is enough that's going to cost them the Heisman. Yeah, John, I don't, 
I, I think, um, I believe like you do, I think the sports writers, uh, and they've had this in the past with questionable characters, winning the Heisman, and and they've looked bad at, you know, uh, right. when everything transpired with Reggie Bush and others. So I, I yep. think like you, they've, they've been this route before, and they're, they're going to make the decision you know, with a clear conscience that I'm not voting for somebody who's, uh, character is questionable. So, yeah, so I, I believe like he's going to lose votes. I think he's going to lose votes. Correct. So they'll just vote for someone uh, with no question marks like Johnny Manziel, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, the, the number two is, is they're in a position to vote for Johnny Manziel. That's the the strange thing about this year. One in, The candidates one and two both have backgrounds that there's some, some things going on that you wouldn't like to see happen with college athletes. Correct, but boy, I mean, take a step back and doesn't all the stuff that we, everybody was, you know, screaming about with Johnny Manziel doesn't look pretty childish and innocent about now? Yeah, I mean, Johnny Manziel, I mean, he's, he's performed magnificently, but I mean, I think people are tired of his act too, but you can't deny him what he's done on the field. Correct, correct. It is going to be interesting, and you know, again, uh, a lot, you know, a lot's going to happen between now and that voting deadline. That's for sure. So I think you said December ninth. Yeah, I mean, so December ninth is, is uh, two days after all those championships and things, and uh, and uh, you know, you have it until that date. So I don't know how this timeline is going to work out, John. I really don't. So it should be Nobody quite, does. quite interesting what goes yeah, well, down. That, yep. Well, that is the variable here, is, uh, as has already become immediately evident in this. This thing will move at the pace it will move, and nothing. From Heisman Trophy to BCS National Championship to Conference Championship Games is going to affect in any way, shape, or form, uh, you know, how fast these legal proceedings will move, period. So that's going to bear watching as well. So it's it's pretty incredible situation. It really is. I mean, how perceptions change. I mean, just step back to less than two weeks ago, and, you know, Jameis Winston was just had the world by the tail. There is no other way to say it. And now... Uh, his world is in complete, completely up in the air, to, you know, put it mildly. So, uh, we will see what develops. Again, there's just, uh, you, you know, it seems, so far it seems to have come out in spurts and has a bit of a he said, she said feel. But, uh, you know, then all of a sudden a little piece a little piece of news trickled out, and then there's a flurry of activity, and then nothing. So it's going to be fascinating to watch, to say the least. And uh, but sad, sad, just sad for again everybody involved. And like I said at the end of the first segment, especially for the potential victim, um, it's just a bad set of circumstances so with that said uh it's time for our break 
And sticking with us on the other side will be our weekly call-in guest, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchOfDimes.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now... Back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And on the line with us again is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine and AP, as someone who covers Alabama football, uh, you must have been interested to see yesterday, or what arrived to me yesterday, the, co- the cover of this week's Sports Illustrated with A.J. McCarron, Bama quarterback, on the cover. Yeah, John, that was great. I, I think it's the 16th or 17th time in the Nick Saban era, which is probably unprecedented for, for that short amount of time, you know, six, seven years. Oh my gosh! That's maybe it's cool to have that many on the cover. I had no idea. That's a great statistic. I knew. You, uh, that's why we love to have you on the show because you have stuff like that that you can't get anywhere else. Uh, wow, that is a startling figure. I mean, because it feels to me like if you said how many times have the Patriots been on the cover during their twelve-year quote dynasty, I that's a, that's what I would say. Something like you know uh, <laughs> yeah. six. Whatever in the teens. That's the dominance, I guess. It reaches out to many, all the spectrums in in the media and and uh, across the nation. Well, you mentioned Mick, Nick Saban, so I have to go right to it. We'll get back to the AJ article itself uh, in a few, but Nick Saban's reaction with this press conference was just—it was a classic. I thought. I mean, he seems to be getting, you know. 
little crankier by the day, like his, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and very much becoming more and more like his mentor Belichick in these press conferences of late. Um, yeah, I, I just found his reaction, especially now when you tell me that it's, you know he's had that many been part of that many covers. So yeah, it's uh, it was just again a, a classic reaction, and you know similar similar to how Saban has seemed to be reacting. I know there's a lot of pressure on him given his quest to become the first coach ever to lead a team to three straight national championships, but. Uh, I thought his reaction was uh, fascinating, to say the least. How about you, AP? John, I'm going to preface my remarks by saying that Nick Saban, one thing he always emphasizes is how can I grow my organization? So when he was kind of postulating that he didn't wake up that morning looking at the magazine cover, I think he kind of said that tongue-in-cheek because... He'll promote everything positive about Alabama that these young athletes crave to have as a part of their life, which would be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. So, so that's the way I feel about his his performance yesterday at that press conference. Yeah, I, I didn't quite know what to make of it. And, you know, I, I've sat in a number of Belichick press conferences, so I think I have a pretty good feel for these things. I agree like I didn't believe him, quite frankly, that he had not seen the cover of Sports Illustrated. Period. I, I, I wasn't. I, I liked it. I enjoyed watching it. I find him enter these types of press conferences entertaining. But to me, you know, and I like Nick Saban, and I have utmost respect for him. But you know, he needs to know when his quarterback is on the cover of Sports Illustrated, and I think it deserves a comment. To me, that would have been exactly what he should have said. Like, I thought it was great. I mean, my gosh, the cover, especially when I read the article and they talked about the unique relationship between AJ and Saban. And I just don't, again, uh, it it wasn't my favorite Saban moment because I just felt that (laughs) AJ deserved, you know, a positive comment from him for being, for the cover asking, is he, one of the greatest, you know, maybe the greatest college quarterback in history, you know, and Saban clearly participated. He was quoted, uh, you know, he had very interesting, unique quotes for him. So, <laughs> you know, it's, again, is it, to quote Belichick, it is what it is. But n- yeah. not my favorite Saban moment. I, I, I thought he should have just embraced it and said, you know, I, I don't. nobody's going to accuse Nick Saban of sitting around waiting for the mailman to drop off his copy of Sports Illustrated and wasting a day doing so. <laughs> yeah. You know? That's how I looked no. at it. I don't know. And I, again, I like Saban, but yeah. I just thought, you know. He, he, he's a great salesman, uh, John, but yesterday wasn't his best performance as a salesman. Well said. Perfectly said. Um, <laughs> there really is, because you're right. Uh, you know, he, he does promote the University of Alabama, and boy... You know, that cover was uh, was a grabber. It really was. It was provocative. It asked a great question. One that you and I, uh, you know, have discussed often. I mean, you know, it's clearly become a national topic. You're down there. You're covering Alabama. You have for years. You know, you probably, you're up close and personal with A.J. McCarron. Um, yeah, you have to start to 
take, you know, to look at him in a historic sense because he is now uh, the constant along with Saban for this national championship run. Yeah, John, I, I think maybe Matt Leinert might have had a chance to uh, duplicate that feat three, three yep. times as the quarterback. But outside of that, I can't recall having, you know, looked at that historical uh, situation. But that that comes to mind, Matt Leinert. And I don't know about you, John, but when I'm thinking about winners in the in sports, the two names that always were front and center for me was William Russell of the Celtics, Bill Russell, and Yogi Berra. They had 11 and 10 championships, respectively, you know, which is uh, incredible. So if A.J. was ever to reach that third one, you'd have to put him down as one of the greatest winners in sports. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, he reminds me a lot of Tom Brady. He really does. Uh, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him, you know, head down that track. Uh, you know, he's big. I mean, I found the article good. I really enjoyed it. I just found that, uh, I learned a lot. I did not know a lot of these details. I think I'm guessing for you, a lot of it's just old hat and you probably knew every single piece of information in there, but I did not know a lot about his growing up situation and things like that. Uh, you know, when I think of A.J. McCarron, I've said this before on the show, and you and I have discussed, you know, for me, I'll always remember where he went into that huge Penn State early season game a couple years ago that you attended. And, you know, it was a question whether or not he who was going to start between him and another quarterback. And, you know, he barely was edged out the other guy to be named the starter through a huge pass late in the game. And that, to me, launched his career. And. Uh, that's my story, and I'm still sticking to it three years later. <laughs> no, John, that's accurate. The way you described it, yeah, the, the, the quarterback you won't hear from again is Philip Sims. He ended up transferring to Virginia, and he, he left there. And last I knew was at a small school in North Carolina, and that's last I heard of him. But, yeah, A.J. went went straight to the top. I mean, the top of the SEC, top nationally, the top in the history of college football, perhaps. Right from that moment that you described in uh, at Penn State. Yes, yes. He uh, again. There was a moment in that game where he needed to come through. He did, and uh, you know, led them to victory. And you know, uh, at, at Beaver Stadium, no, uh, no less. So, but I found it all. You know, again, I really found the story interesting. Uh, you know, again, his upbringing. I had no idea that he. Grew up poor. I really enjoyed the story about the other AJ, the cerebral palsy uh, person who he gave a ride to, and ultimately got hired as a volunteer on the on the training staff, I believe. And bottom line, you know, I've always liked him. I like him more after reading that article for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it told that personal side that the national audience may have not been aware of and that was good at this point in his career to uh, make those facts available and let people get close to him you know that reporter did and yeah it's a fascinating story he called himself the kid from the DIP Dolphin Island Parkway and he didn't he doesn't forget his roots and he he's not one to uh, you know 
big time. Yeah, he, he remembers his his humble roots. He sure does. From Mobile, no less. We talked about right. Mobile very recently. Um, so yeah, he, he's again. You know, if you're, what's not to love, really? Especially if you're an Alabama fan. I mean, you know, and and we're getting down to the short strokes here. He, he correct me if I'm wrong. Does he have? Potentially four games left, right? Tuscaloosa tomorrow. Is it, is it Tuscaloosa? Tuscaloosa yeah. playing Chattanooga warm-up Chattanooga, game before the, before the big one next week. And then Robert. he's able to yeah, able to get by that. He's got that SEC championship game. So, so John, yeah. in, in my eyes, really, he's batting two for two. And I say that because he won the Texas A&M game and the LSU games. Those are... The, the the matchups the sophisticated Heisman voters will view uh, with a lot of scrutiny scrutiny and um, of course this all win game coming up and then the championship game so he has to really bat four for four you know bat a thousand to have a chance correct correct and uh, one of the interesting facts in that story you've probably mentioned it on the show but. Since I just read it last night, it reawoken it in my mind, which was he's never lost a game on the road, which goes back to me talking about that Penn State game at Beaver Stadium early in his career, like the first game he ever played, really, as a starter, if I remember correctly. And uh, so, yeah, I find that to be fascinating, especially when you consider that his last ever true road game is going to be at Auburn next week, which is just shaping up to be the game of the year. Yeah, that that'll be the road game of his life because Auburn's yes. on fire. They really are. Uh, well, I guess we didn't talk about it. <laughs> the ending to that game. I mean, I was watching live, getting ready to go out. Luckily, I had a spare two minutes. Threw the game on, and <laughs> I know I was standing there waiting, literally waiting in my living room, waiting to go out, and. Threw on the TV for the last minute or so and got to see it live. And let's just say when I got in the car, I wasn't driving, and I quickly went put on Watch ESPN to watch the aftermath immediately. That was special stuff. Play of the year. I, I said it immediately. The announcer said it immediately. It was the play of the year. It's special. You will, you know, it'll be remembered forever. It really will be. Yeah, John. When I was watching the receiver. It baffled me. How did he know that ball was coming over his shoulder? You know, exactly. wearing, it's not like you're out in the yard and you don't have your helmet. He had a helmet, and he he had to follow the ball. And for him to make that catch, it was it's, it was fabulous because it, it was it was not an easy uh, reception. It, it certainly wasn't. He and he showed a lot of poise and perseverance and concentration and focus. All those things, I mean, receiver coaches, they must have been, I mean, thrilled to death, like everyone else. Absolutely. And what two things jumped out at me. I mean, what seems to have come out later, based on what he said and other observances I've heard, it seems like he didn't really see it as much as he just put his left, he put his hand up, like any good receiver would, and the ball hit it. And then all credit to him for basically hauling it in, juggling it in, whatever. But what I thought was really cool and unique about that play, we've all seen Hail Mary plays, including a few recently. That play in real motion looked like it was in slow motion. And that's what I really loved about that play. Um, exactly that. I just thought it was like the, 
the coolest looking play imaginable. Particularly since, uh, I, again, you know, particularly since, you know, you, he, took, he was right there. I mean, he was in the end zone in an instant. He got, got the ball at around the 20. And then he, uh, you know, to see the reaction of that Auburn crowd, that, that was half, you know, half the fun of all that, the reaction to Georgia bench, the Auburn crowd, obviously the Auburn bench. Just fabulous stuff. Great theater, to say the least. Yeah, John, I mean, that could catapult them into the SEC championship if they're able to beat Alabama. So that one play changed a lot of lives and a lot of of, uh, hotel reservations and everything else. Well, it really did. And you have such a great, great Alabama history and perspective, I mean, but, you know, Auburn could not possibly, given the circumstances, go in on a bigger high to be hosting Alabama. I mean... I don't think anybody was giving them a shot, despite the fact that they are maybe the surprise team of the year. But until that play, nobody realistically was giving them a shot. But when you see a play like that, as the last play, obviously they have a bye week. It's the last play before they host Alabama. And then all of a sudden, everybody wakes up and says, oh, wow, they're actually hosting Alabama. You know, (laughs) when these guys next take the field for a game... The last thing they're going to have seen in that stadium is going to be have been that play. Yeah, men- mentally, they've mentally. been winning. I mean, there's there's a lot to be said for finishing at the end of the game. And, and brother, that was some finish. Uh, coaches, I mean, they live for those moments where they see their team down and how will they react. You're hoping that the players that you've coached have something in the reserve and can perform in the clutch. And I don't know if Auburn's had a better play in the clutch in a long, very long time like that. Well, absolutely. Well, you know, again, I just said they're, they are the surprise team of the year. I'm safe, comfortable in saying that. I think most people would agree. And now they are the surprise team of the year with the signature play of the year. <laughs> And now you look at all that and you look at what's at stake, all of a sudden you say, okay, wow. Now you have, you know, on the other side, Alabama going for their third straight national championship, first team in college football history to do that. And here's this, you know, surprise team of the year with the signature play of the year uh, at home. It just just really is going to be terrific, and I think it's just going to be blockbuster ratings uh i think you know i started off the show talking about how much fun the momentum for the brady manning game that you know i'm lucky enough to attend this sunday night has been and how what a great week it's been and it's only friday um i think we're (laughs) going to get a little of that on the college football front and you're down in alabama so you're going to be experiencing next week what i've been experiencing this week at the nfl level yeah john i i I can't wait till next next Saturday to be at Auburn and and that crowd is so Auburn. I, I think I've told you in the past they are they are really loud. They are really vociferous. They're fans and and they're playing for everything. Yet they're playing for nothing because it's it's all on Alabama's shoulders. They have to win this game. Auburn it, it would be terrific. It'd be great for the rivalry if they won, but it's all on Alabama's shoulders. So. Auburn can let it fly. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be all kind of gadget plays called 
even though, you know, Gus Malzahn, if you watch his offense, John, really, it's only about four or five plays. It's just many, many variations in many formations. And that's how they confuse people sometimes. But it's really about four or five plays. But they're, they're executed uh, very well and, and have a, a, a good good offensive line and, and good running back. So, And the quarterback has performed. Oh, yeah. Well, he's following in the junior college footsteps of one Cam Newton, who uh, I think got America's attention this week as well. Um, got mine. But yeah. why don't we uh, – we're running a little short here on this segment, so why don't we take our break and we'll continue this conversation uh, on the other side, AP. Okay, John. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Hi, I'm Joe Swedish, CEO of WellPoint. We proudly support the March of Dimes and all they do to reduce the rate of premature birth in the United States. Though premature births have recently declined, still half a million babies are born too soon each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs that help moms and their babies live healthier lives. Please visit MarchOfDimes.com and join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of BAM Magazine. And before we continue our discussion, uh, my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing is, no surprise, Broncos Patriots on Sunday Night Football. And I will be there and can't wait. And I'm comfortable. I think I'm safe to say that next week my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing will be Alabama at Auburn, and AP, you're going to be there. So I think we got it covered between us, the two big games of, uh, of, of, 
of the year, really, in both sports. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's amazing, John. It sure is. Two different it just locales. Just when I said but, it. But exciting, but exciting football. Well, I guess when you're lucky enough to do a radio show, this is the kind of stuff you get to do, which is uh, go to the NFL and college football's two biggest games of the year. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, any thoughts on uh, Peyton Manning? Versus Tom Brady, number 14. I've seen about six or seven of them, including a couple postseason games. Uh, you know, I know you love your SEC. You probably Peyton Manning out of Tennessee. Uh, what do you think about Sunday's game? Yeah, yeah, no, it doesn't get any better in my mind. Those are the two, uh, you know, those are the two best quarterbacks. You know, Aaron Rodgers, I threw him in there one time. And Eli, Eli's tremendous in a big game, but... Those are the two marquee players, really, uh, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. And to watch them go head-to-head, it doesn't get any better, I don't think. And, and you know, Belichick's always got the mastermind, something up his sleeve defensively for Peyton, and Peyton's always trying to counterpunch, and that's fascinating to watch. Well, it really is, and, you know, Belichick, I mean, Peyton has gotten, and Belichick used to be in Peyton's head. Peyton clearly has gotten in Belichick's head. All you need to do is say fourth and two. That's all you need to know. Belichick didn't even want Peyton to get the ball with 70 yards to mm-hmm. go in less than a minute out in India a couple years ago. So, uh, yeah, I think along with Drew Brees, I mean, you, you mentioned Eli and Aaron Rodgers, and the, they used to be along with, you know, like the big five. But I, I, I feel like Rodgers with his injuries and just, you know, Couple of years now since he won the Super Bowl, I, I feel like he slacked off, and I feel like it's it's Peyton Brady and Breeze at this point, and then Rogers slightly below them, and then Eli, given the year he's having, maybe even slightly you know slightly below Rogers, but it's going to be great. I mean, it it, I, it feels like there's been some separation with Brady and Manning, you know, both having such great years. Um, that they are now like the two best. They, you know, they they kind of stand alone. You can make a Drew Brees argument, but uh, I wouldn't make that guy. I just feels and Brady and Manning have just had that. You know, lockstep careers in lockstep, shall we say? Yeah, no, there's a Jerry West, Oscar Robinson, uh, you know, Chamberlain Russell of this era in, in football. They are. They are, and it's a, and that's the difference with Drew Brees. It, it, with Brady and Manning, it's an era. With Drew Brees, it's been an impressive run and more. But, um, yeah, well, AP, you probably heard. I mean, it is going to be uh, cold and windy. We're talking temps 25 to 30, sustained 15 to 20 mile per hour wind it's going to feel like single digits so it's going to it, it are and there may be some snow some snow in the air on sunday during the day maybe it'll carry over into the night although it's supposed to be dry bottom line it's going to feel a lot like those two postseason games that i attended back in the 0304 time frame both won by the patriots both largely at the time attributable to weather given that Peyton played in the Dome and all that went along with that. But he's got a little bit of a taste of that cold weather being in Denver now, so yeah, maybe that'll be to his advantage. Yeah, he practiced in the snow yesterday. Need we say more? <laughs> he, he literally practiced in two inches of snow yesterday. 
So I think whatever existed back in the day, which is hard to believe, I can't believe I'm saying this 10 years ago, <laughs> for those fabulous, fabulous Colt-Patriot playoff games, no longer a factor. I mean, Peyton, nobody associates him with you know, being a warm-weather quarterback anymore. I mean, he plays in Denver. Need I say more? No, right. No, no more excuses now. None. None. Um, yeah, well, you know, just so many things about this game make it fascinating, not the least of which is the return of Wes Welker. He practiced yesterday, and I know today is the day he needs to get clearance. I'm sensing he's probably going to play, uh, given that he did practice yesterday. But, uh, yeah, it's just going to be great. I mean, it's just going to be, you know, the build-up to this game this week has been totally like a playoff game. I mean, it has really been fun. You know, it's leading the news at night already. It's only Friday. Um <laughs> Nothing like it. Nothing like it. You know, this is what uh, this is what we live for, and it's kind of funny. You know, Boston being such a pro sports town, and you being literally in the capital of the college sports world, i.e., college town atmosphere, be it Alabama and you know this week Auburn. Uh, you know, we're both pretty lucky. I'd say we we're both where we need to be for the next uh, eight days of sports, right? Very fortunate, John. Every day I wake up, you're thinking, how long can this last? Exactly. Now, living the dream. Living the dream. I'm, you're, I'm sure you're feeling a little bit like the end. We just talked about the fact that A.J. McCarron literally may only have four games left uh, as the Alabama quarterback. I look at this, you know, 20 minutes from Gillette Stadium where I live and 20-year Patriot season ticket holder and wonder how many years – you know, I'll have this myself, but let me ask you this. What is your favorite Iron Bowl memory? I know you've been to a favorite few. favorite Iron Bowl memory? Uh, or the first thing that comes to mind? First thing that comes to mind, Iron Bowl memory. I'll I tell you what, John, there's two, there's, I'm going to give you two because it's kind of not, not fair. There have been, been so many great ones, but I, I think way back when they had that first wishbone team in 71, and Alabama was on the precipice of uh, coming back from two six and five seasons, trying to get to the Orange Bowl to play in Nebraska. And Pat Sullivan was the Heisman Trophy winner, and Johnny Musso both and Pat Sullivan both from Birmingham, and they were very good friends. And, and that day, I was hoping and praying that Alabama would succeed, and they ended up beating them. 35 to 7. Uh, you know, Johnny had a great game. He played with a special shoe because he had a problem with his toe. So he had a game over 100 something yards. So that, that was great. And they made the cover of the Sports Illustrated the next week. And it was uh, the three running backs were on there. Uh, and a dive play over, the, over uh, center with Johnny Mitchell and Joe LeBeau and Steve Bechet on the cover. So that was great. And then the other one was the 92 team when Antonio Langham. Uh, intercepted pass and went down the sideline. That was like the third or the second straight week he had scored a touchdown as a defensive player and he went on to score against Florida, of course, in that clinching touchdown the next weekend. So those, those are my two two memories I have. I really cherish those. Wow. Good stuff. I remember both of them. And it's just Johnny Musso again. And as I look at the end of ESPN, I'm looking at Auburn. Uh at the very end of the game uh, with the fabulous play. So, 
Johnny Musso, again, one of my all-time favorite Alabama players. There's just something about him. Caught my fancy when I was a young boy, and I was always a big fan. So it's fun, fun to hear you bring up his name. Well, on that note, I can't think of a better way to end the show than that, AP. Yeah, and I'd just like to shout out, this is the 50th anniversary of President Kennedy's assassination, and John, uh, the riderless uh, horse was escorted by a young gentleman from Alabama, was right from where my daddy was raised. Really? Sure was. Wow. Well, I started off the show by saying, you know, it's a gloomy day here in Boston, and we touched on this a little earlier. Uh, I'm literally heading into Harvard in the next few minutes. Harvard University for the Ivy Sports Symposium, and uh, I'm sure there'll be memory commemorations occurring when I get to the campus. So, uh, yeah, a sad day, just a sad day. Fifty years ago today, it's really hard to believe. And uh, again, just uh, a day that changed America forever. I don't think anyone would question that. Sure did, John. It the way, P. As always, thank you so much for calling in. Enjoyed your perspective, and uh, Voice America listeners, thank you for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.